Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to So Sorry for Your Loss. If you follow me on Instagram lately, you've seen that I am not having a hot girl summer. I am having a hurt girl summer because I broke my ankle. Um, It was my first break, so it was a little crazy. And of course, it was that thing where like a couple weeks ago, I had just said to somebody like, oh, yeah, I've never broken a bone before. I'm really scared for the first time for that to happen. And, you know, I didn't knock on wood. And I think that's what did it. I think that really sealed the deal. And two weeks to the day almost, I broke it. I was just, we were on the beach. I was trying to be fun and playful with my husband. There might have been alcohol involved. And I jumped up on his back and there was a slope on the beach and he lost his balance, fell on top of me. And if you've seen pictures of my husband, he's six foot seven, he's quite large. And I heard it snap. That wasn't good. We were in a we were internationally at the time, went to the hospital, didn't speak English. It was it was a whole thing. But I say all of this to say it's one of those major moments in your life and you really expect your parents to be there. And for me, it was very strange to not be able to call my dad and give him updates or say, hey, I'm home from the hospital. I'm okay. Or I just talked to the doctor. This is what they're saying. Like It's moments like those that I really feel the loss of him and it really sucks. I shared that sentiment on social media and I had a couple people reach out saying that they felt the same way or that they were dealing with their own illness or own injury and really feeling that sentiment about a sibling or uh, somebody important in their life that they wish were there for it. So just another reminder of how this can come up at any time in any way and it's totally normal for that to happen. But anyway, a great episode for you today. I interviewed Jessica Wirtz from Spirit Vessel. It's this very interesting company out of New Mexico. Her and her sister Amanda started it to change the conversation around funerals and ceremonies and memorializing people and just looking at death differently. So, you know, totally in line with what I'm trying to do here with So Sorry for Your Loss. Spirit Vessel Ceremonies, they're completely customizable. She's got all these really great guides on her site for how you could come up with a ceremony for a loved one even plan one for yourself. She said this is something that's starting to be new that people are planning their own ceremonies if they know that, you know, they're ill or even just because it's something that they they want to do for their future. We talk about why that's important. She also gives us really good guidance about a will and setting up your own wishes, which oh my god is so important. Diving into this conversation, here's Jessica Wirtz. I'm business partners with my sister, my older sister. And so we decided to create Spirit Vessel about two years ago. And we're like, this is just a conversation that isn't happening that really needs so much more awareness around it. Yeah. So we've teamed up and we've been creating and working on this. And so we're really just in like such a promo stage where we're really just trying to blast what we're doing and share it with as many people as we can. And so Amanda's more of the marketing and PR side of things. So um, we decided let's reach out to a couple of podcasts that we feel like would be really fun and really aligned. Um, And I'd love to talk about it. And so she found you 
And she was like, you're really going to like this chick, Jess. Check out her work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, awesome. I listen to podcasts. I really love the platform you've created. Give me like a, a quick blurb on what it is that you guys really want to do. I know I found on your website, which I absolutely love, your mission we invite you to redefine your relationship with loss through guided personalized ceremony. So tell us exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah, totally. For us, it's just recognizing this like cultural wide conversation that isn't happening. That is a needs to be happening because it affects the way we live every single one of us by having this fear of death. Right. So redefining loss with um, redefining the relationship to loss is really giving people the tools to help them have the conversations. So we saw that as like, if we could create a very comprehensive package that included all of these different pieces from how to have a hard conversation with your loved ones and just conversation openers, which is hugely important. Like, oh my God, we don't even know how to start that conversation. Um, Now, did this come from personal experiences that you had? Because I will say from my experience, you know, that's something that I never wanted to think about either. And things that I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why would we talk about that? I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. Like, and then as soon as I went through it with my dad, it's now something that I realize how important it is to have those conversations as difficult as they are. Absolutely. Yeah. It affects all of our lives because death runs in the family, it turns out, you know, so we're all going to experience it. Everybody in our family unfortunately, for better or worse, depending on your view of death is going to pass. So um, it's more of just a fuller recognition of that. Like, yes, it comes from personal experiences. So I certainly have gone through my own uh, times of grief that have just like completely surfaced all of this for me, where I'm like, we really don't know how to share what we're going through um, and have support for that. And how do we actually create a structure or a framework where this can already be created and there's a guideline to it. So people aren't just like so lost in the dark trying to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, So my personal experiences, I actually lived um, in a little cabin in the woods of Oregon for about three years. Wow. Um, Yeah. That was quite a move from the Bay area for me. Yeah. (laughs) That was a small life shift. My partner at the time, uh, he and I wanted to go basically like caretake some property, 200 acres of beautiful old growth forest uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, that was owned by um, a couple of friends of ours. So it was like five, 600 year old trees and truly just like fully immersed in such a gorgeous natural environment. Mm -hmm. Through that time, I So I'm a ceramic artist. I've always created ceramics, uh, functional pottery line, jewelry line, ritualistic pieces that people obviously bring into their home, use every day. You create your life around these pieces, your morning rituals. So I had a studio in Oregon and I was working there for three years. And during those three years, I ended up splitting with my very long-term partner uh, of eight years. Mm. And I think that what really like hit home for me during that point was the fact that I had always envisioned a very specific life for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I, I was very actively building it. I'm not somebody who just <laughs> sits back and says, whatever comes, comes. Like I will yeah. go get what I want. And so in that time frame, it really made all of that fall apart. And I realized like, oh, that identity was an illusion of sorts at this yeah. point. Um, all those wishes, all those dreams, um, they're gone. Like I'm, I'm in this state of recreating. So mm-hmm you know, to recreate from a place and really bringing spirit into that work, um, which is always important to me to be collaborating with the higher. 
yeah. realms, the higher energy, right? It's not just like me down here slogging it out on earth. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like recognizing. Right. There's so much our- more to what happens in our story. You know, as oh. much as we have control over it, I mean, I'm in the belief that a lot of it has to do with what's going on elsewhere. 100%. Yeah. We, we live in this realm that is physical and we think that only things exist if they're physical, but it's everything from the unmanifest world starts from an idea that's manifested right. a desire. Right. And then it takes physical form. So like, we just like to think that, oh, it's just here and this is the reality, but the reality is actually what you're creating every, every moment in your thoughts and what you're putting out in your energy. Like that's where things really start to start to come together, yeah. right? Um, and is that something that you always kind of had a grasp on or did it take this situation with the, the loss of your relationship, the loss of the the identity that you thought you had to really understand that? Because um, on your website I had read, it said during this time you had a deeper conversation and insight around living consciously and creating from that space. And I feel that that's something that I went through too. You just, when you go through these monumental shifts in your life, whether it be a breakup, a death, whatever, you really look at the world differently all of a sudden. 100%. I've always had, since I think a child, some understanding of a way bigger picture than just myself and how I'm connected into everything and just the interconnection of spirit, of nature, of the necessity for community and just a a wider perception, I think. Um, So that wasn't necessarily a revelation for me, but what was is what you're talking about. It's this like complete dismantling of identity. And uh, in some ways your personality, like who am I right now? I'm totally Mm -hmm. breaking down. And okay. In those pieces, it's also the opportunity to rewrite your life um, because you're going to have to come up with a new story and a new narrative now, because the old one's clearly gone. Mm -hmm. And in that is actually so much power you know I don't know if you felt like oh my god did power (laughs) and I agree and I think that's something that I really try to impart onto this audience and it's really hard to understand that when you're in the very acute phase like how could anything good or anything positive come from this but this opportunity to rebuild one of my favorite quotes is you don't know this new me I put my pieces back differently yeah and I think it really is a powerful, and I hate to say the word benefit, but it is a benefit from something that can be a really terrible time of your life. Yeah, it's a total benefit. It's not, you know, it's not so black and white. It's not like this is terrible or this is wonderful. It's like, we're such expansive humans. Yeah. We can we can see that we can hold two emotions at once. We can hold 10 emotions and they can all be true, mm-hmm. you know? I can be experiencing extreme joy while also grieving. I can be going through a profound awakening while also, you know, totally feeling stuck in my life. Like, yes, both and right. Yes, say it louder for those in the back. Perfect. (laughs) I love it. Yes, exactly. So you spent the time in Oregon and then you're in New Mexico now. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. So last August, I made the move from the woods of Oregon and then came here to a small town in Southwest New Mexico. And I was literally on a road trip thinking, I want to find my house this month in New Mexico. How cool. There was a timeline to it. And I came through this really sweet little town called Hillsboro. And it just had all of the right combination of uh, it's kind of like the wi- the wildness of the Southwest for sure. And it had the artistry of the town and it just, it's 
definitely a very creative, wild little town. And that's just so the spaces that I love to be in because it makes me feel free enough to create. And it's like not enough psychic energy from cities of living right. around all these people. So I just have this like more expansive creative place inside my brain. And um, so this is where Spirit Vessel Studios is located now because we really needed a large studio space. So I found a beautiful yeah. home in the studio. Now part of this is we're saying we want to have people look at death ceremonies, so to speak, differently. And what are ways that we can personalize them? Because I do think that they've gotten very traditional and you know cultures all have different ways of doing it which i think is also fascinating you know just within my husband and i i'm italian my husband is jewish and our, both of our cultures do it differently we both lost parents and we had to be like oh okay you do it this way oh all right that's interesting you do this and and i know there are so many other ways to do it i do think covid really kind of forced the hand to people having to really get creative because we couldn't gather in groups of people. So, you know, Zoom that you and I are speaking to all of a sudden became the outlet for for having a funeral or having a death ceremony. But before we start talking about that, I want to go back a little bit. Is there any information, you know, through your work that you found out about the history of the death ceremony? I'd love to tell you that I went like deep into a rabbit hole to do all this history and research around it before I realized like this was what needed to be created right now in the world. But in fact, it was kind of the opposite. I was like, this is such a clear, blatant <laughs> need and desire mm -hmm. from the hearts and souls of people right now that it just needs to happen. So as an artist, I gave myself the agency to do it. As a ceremony historian, <laughs> You can look back through any culture, and as you're saying, all cultures have their own traditions, their own rituals, their own ceremonies around death, and there is no right or wrong way. But I would say what is lost in our culture now, which is really clear, is there's no real tie-in to me um, that is understandably basing death around the cycles of life. So mm -hmm. there's not really an understanding of this is normal, this is change, this is constant. And there's no spiritual context around that. It's more of like, oh, you go from here and you live your life and then you die. I think there's so much loss in that without bringing back in the beauty of death. So mm. so what's, what's clear in this culture is that we don't see death as a beautiful experience, as an opportunity, as uh, the ending of a life, which makes it so precious. It's, you know, it's just like the negative side of everything. Yeah. I'm like sitting with that for a second. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I do think, you know, having gone through it, it's hard to look at it any other way when you're in it. You know, my dad was a sudden death and it's hard to <laughs> really focus on the spiritual meaning of it all. But I also, to your point, think that's because that's what society has just taught us to not talk about it, not try to understand it before you're faced with it. And then you don't have any time or any emotional capability to do so. So like being able to talk about it before to have that grasp on what is happening to then be able to maybe plan these ceremonies differently. Is that what you're trying to guide people to do? 100%, 100%, yeah. It's, it is the fact that we're not previously having these conversations in our families that, that makes it that much harder when it does happen. Because mm -hmm. if there was a plan in place with a living will, or if you were having these conversations, there's so much more understanding that like it's inevitable, right? So like, yeah. how do we make this easier for one another? 
by alleviating some of this pain and the stress, then clearly we're going to be grieving one of the deepest grievances of our lives. Yeah. So setting that up is the goal is having that already in plan before or in place before death happens. Yeah. Uh, I think I mean, a lot of. So, so, and also let me say, when you're talking about the celebration of, of life ceremonies um, or personalized ceremony, and then there's this word funeral, are they kind of one and the same to you or would somebody have both? I mean, how, what is your vision? Yeah, I think those words can kind of be intermingled a lot, depending on what your understanding of it is. Um, a celebration of life ceremony is really one that recognizes and honors the individual's life. So it's not based in religion. It's not based in Catholicism um, where, you know, you step into the Catholic church or any, you know, church of religious holding and, and go through this very um, kind of prescribed way that we see death. Like, okay, we go in, we're dressed in black. Um, the priest who might've been our priest growing up or, you know, somebody that we know, maybe mm -hmm. not, <laughs> um, is going to, uh, talk about our family member and give a eulogy and they might even, you know, pack a couple things up because they really didn't know them. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea of not being super personalized. I hear that story all the time, actually. Um, you know, and that's such a deep ache in the heart of people of just like, it's, it wasn't really who, you know, uncle yeah. Jack was like, right. we just went through these, like we went through the steps. You went through the motions, what, but it wasn't yeah. actually like, uh, you felt him there or talked about him in a way that you remembered him. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we have a prescribed way of doing it. Um, it feels very sterile and disconnected from life, but death is a beautiful bookend to life and mm -hmm. it's a continuum. So it's like, why don't we celebrate the continuum of the spirit by honoring, by holding this time to reflect, by sharing, by really coming up with creative ways that, mm -hmm. um, that do reflect the person that we love. In my family, we've always tried to do like little things. So we are part of the Catholic church. It was held in the Catholic church. We had, you know, the priest did the whole thing. And again, you know, it wasn't anybody that I've like spoke to in years, but he was the family priest and he was the one up talking about my dad. I gave the eulogy, but we mm -hmm. did try to do little things. So my dad hated ties. It was like a terrible, terrible day if he ever had to wear, wear a tie and you would not hear the end of it. So we didn't have him wear a tie in the casket and nobody in our family wore a tie. Like, you know, anybody else, it would look like it was very informal. Why aren't these people paying their respects by dressing up? But it was like our little inside thing within the family. And also when we would go to church, he would have a handful of jelly beans and he would just kind of like secretly <laughs> put his hand over and drop jelly beans to me, to all my younger cousins. And it like became his little thing. So I got a bag of jelly beans and I passed it out to our family and everybody went up to the casket and put in a little handful of jelly beans. And I felt like I was like trying to do it under the radar of the priest or anybody in the church. I'm like, they're going to kick us out if they see us doing it. But that was my way of trying to make it a little personal. So, Absolutely. you know, what are some things that you can suggest to people? Like, is 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 that a step in the right direction? Is Is that how you suggest we should be looking at this? Like, what do you encourage families to think of when planning a ceremony? Of course. I love what you did. I love those <laughs> ideas. That's, 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 that was him for you. That is yeah. him. And, and you're bringing him. If it was really him, I want to lit up moment. a cigar and put some vodka in there too. But you know, we tried to just keep after. it a little tame for the Catholic church. <laughs> after, the, after the funeral, that's for you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's beautiful. There And there is no right or wrong. It's, it's your memory. It's your experience. 
And so talking about spirit vessel and like really the impetus behind that is to create ways that do make it feel more interactive and creative for families. Mm. So, you know, we've created a 70 page guideline that really speaks to all the different ways. I'm sure I've missed plenty of them because everybody has their own, all the different ways in which you can set up a ceremony to be really personalized and bring in the different facets of what your person loved or Mm -hmm. what they didn't or their sense of humor. Give Um, us a little preview. What are some of your favorites that are in that guide? Yeah, sure. So um, the booklet carries a lot of passages and prompts in it. And so the passages are um, pieces that I've written and they're really around different things you might be feeling or experiencing around grief, around the loss of your loved one, which can go from anywhere from gratitude to forgiveness, to regrets, Mm -hmm. to really just sitting and reflecting. But then the prompts are the pieces that make it interactive. So, okay, now that we are all on the same page and have this thought of so-and-so in our mind, then let's make that interactive. So one piece that um, we do is use like dissolvable paper, which I think is so cool, uh, is bringing in the elements And so maybe you're writing a note on a piece of dissolvable paper or something that you want to like let go, a prayer that you want to let go. Oh, cool. Maybe it's something you say, I'm, uh, please forgive me for this. I forgive you for this. If last words weren't able to be spoken, it's the act of the ceremony of letting go of, of really coming into that space together. And that's where healing happens. That is huge. Yeah. Yeah. The idea isn't just that it's like one person leading a group. It's the fact that you're all doing this together to create the self-healing. And like I was saying, pass out a piece of paper, everybody interacts and does a writing together. Um, Maybe you throw the writing in the fire or in the water together and just something to really signify a communal meaning. um, Communal meaning. That's a good way of putting it. I was going to say, I really love this, this message of togetherness. I also think in times of loss, it's very easy for people to feel alone. I was surrounded by people, by friends, family, everybody, but it it was the most alone I've ever felt in my life. And strangely enough, even now I'm four years out from it, the thing that makes me feel, like makes my heart feel the best is when people share memories of my dad or people tell me that they really miss him too. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I, I ever want somebody to feel that pain, but it's like to not be alone and missing this person or to know that that he was loved so much too to to reinforce that so i love this this feeling that you're creating of doing these prompts or doing these actions together and and that i think would be something that can then live on that you would have a bond with somebody that was at that ceremonies to say, you know, remember when we we did this and we honored our loved one in this way and we, did, you know, maybe there was something funny like, oh gosh, I went to go put the paper in the water and it blew away and we all ran to go get it or something. You know, there's always humor in situations like that. So I really love that. And I just want to add to that. That's yeah. And you're so right. It's we keep each other alive in our memories. So mm-hmm. whenever anybody's really reinforcing the memory of our love, like that's where the aliveness is. Um, the ceremonies also can be performed many in many different ways. So like maybe you want to have an intimate one with your family where this is like six of you and it's a fuller experience with uh, many more of the components, Mm -hmm. or maybe like we were saying, you want to do one with a hundred people and just like pull out a little bit of what the offering is and have that. So, um, you know, in many different cultures and religions, there isn't just one funeral or one ceremony. You have ceremony throughout, you know, in, in uh, Hindu, I believe it's like 13 days you have mourning and 
a period of mourning where the family comes and visits and where you're having ceremony. It's, it's an ongoing experience. Here in this culture, we really see it as like, oh, that happened. Let's create an event for it and check it off the list and not talk Zip it up and it. put it away. Like, yep. <laughs> like, let there be an ongoing healing conversation yeah. around it. And I'm really starting to see, you know, now that I'm connecting with people from all over the world on Instagram, which is so beautiful in itself, but I- I'm starting to see, like, how bad Americans really are at this. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the people I connect with are from the UK or from Australia or from India. And they're so much more open about it than yeah. Americans are. Yeah, 100%. Our culture doesn't know how to grieve and we don't know how to talk about loss. It's completely taboo. So we think that by talking about it, it's like almost like we're going to, you know, give ourselves a curse or a spell that it's going to happen. And yeah, it's just so very backwards. Um, But we also, I think of this a lot, like I was speaking to earlier, we really live in such a linear context in this culture. Right you know, we're, we're born, we hit all these like markers of a good successful life, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's the job or the kids or, you know, the, whatever that looks like, there's certain markers in this culture. And then you have the house and then you do the end. And we were so divorced of this idea of cyclical nature of, you know, we live through so many seasons in our life within Mm -hmm. a life. So much of that has to have grief in it. Otherwise, well, we think of everything as an accumulation of life, right? I'm going to get more and more and more and more and more until I'm up here and now I have everything. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to lose it (laughs) because I have to die. So it's like, there's no understanding of this apprenticing of loss and grief throughout our life, which actually, if we learn to do this and say, I'm in a period of loss, I'm in a period of grief, I won't always be here, but right now I am. And I have to honor that. And, And having the ability to do that throughout the span of a life actually creates more space for you to understand and contextualize your death. Oh, absolutely. And and I will say, I hate that I'm here. I would give anything for my dad to be back and everybody that I've lost my, you know, a friend recently, my mother-in-law, but I have gained so much from those experiences. And I think I have a bigger sense of life for having gone through it. And my husband and I talk about all the time, there's just lessons that you could not understand about the world have you not gone through that so I totally see what you're saying I mean how could you have a full understanding of the world and of the meaning of life if you never had that downslope on this cycle so to speak if it was just all up 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 that's right that's what makes life beautiful is the fact that we're only going to get one go at it it is that precious and let us learn how to expand our vocabulary around what we love. And part of that is by losing what we love. Otherwise, we would never understand it. Oh, my God. I love what you just said. That's 100% <laughs> going to be some type of pull quote for this episode. That was beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to write that on my wall or something. That's going to be somewhere around this house. <laughs> um, so I want to go back just a little bit. We had talked about a will. And I know that's something really difficult for people to do and to think about. And, you know, one of my biggest rubs with everything that happened with my dad was his was like 10, 12 years old. And had he updated things in certain ways, you know, things could have been different. Um, But at least he had one. And now I'm trying to create one too. And I don't think I would have ever step down that road had I not gone through this. How can you guide people on this? And is that something that's included in the guide you, you spoke about um, from Spirit Vessel 
for the people that are still here on how to handle their own passing or what their future might look like. A will is one of the easiest things you can do. It just takes a few minutes to sit down and put on paper what you want. 70% of Americans don't have one. The statistic always blows me away. Yeah. It's, it's easy. It's free. You don't need an attorney to draft this up for you. Really? I, okay. Um, I didn't realize that. No, it's, it's like considered a legal document and you give it to an executor. So somebody who would basically be your wills executor, you're essentially a voice of um, attorney. Mm -hmm. um, should anything happen to you, this person will be the one to see your plans through. Um, so a will is, yeah, it's included in Spirit Vessel to answer your question. Um, it is part of the package is really, we create a lot of checklists and they're very nuts and bolts, but let's get real. We have so many things we're going to have to attend to at this point, which I'm sure you're very familiar with as am I. And it's anything from passwords um, to bank accounts to, you know, oh my gosh. Do you know, I have my possible. dad's laptop sitting in my closet. I cannot get into it. Nobody in the family knows oh. the password. We've taken it to a million different places to try to figure oh, it out. God but I just can't like get rid of that thing. I don't know yeah. if it's like, I think that like one day it's gonna like come to me in a dream and I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be like, peanut butter and jelly 34, that's the password. That's how we get it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's jelly beans. I think it's jelly beans. You're right. You're, I'm trying that tomorrow. You're absolutely right. Okay. <laughs> no tie jelly beans. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Will's really easy. It's um, it's basically, let's just say it prevents a lot of family conflict by having it because when you know what you want and you can put that on paper, everything from, you know, who has, um, where the pro where pro family property is going to go to mm -hmm. who the pets go to, family heirlooms, like all of this can be exacted on this piece of paper that just says, this is what happens to all of my items, all of my belongings. Um, this is the vision I see. So um, yeah, it really ensures that the people you want to have these things go to, they get them. And it really eliminates a lot of conflict. In the and you can do this on any piece of paper and you just sign it and then you pass it off to whoever in your friends or family unit that you say, I want you to be the, the keeper of this. And then poof, there it is. You have a will and that's exactly. legally binding technically. You know, I, I want to say with a hundred percent certainty, but, um, as you pose that back to me, it does make me a little bit like I would, I would also look into that one more time that it doesn't need to be, um, authorized. I mm -hmm. don't believe it has from like maybe what like I notarized or something. Yeah. 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 I don't believe it does from what I've, from what I understand, it's really just making sure that you've written it and you've signed it and you've given this to your executor of your will. So this could be maybe an adult child mm -hmm. or a sibling. So somebody who knows you well enough um, and will, and it's a big task, you know, it's not a small thing. So you're picking somebody who's responsible and somebody that you trust to really do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I think 85% of it is tackling the emotion and the uncomfort of the topic of writing your will. And then as you were saying, I think, you know, the other small, very small percentage is the actual task of it. So yeah. yes. I, I, it really is something that everybody should do. And, you know, I say this here in pot calling the kettle black. I have the documents up on my computer <laughs> and I just need to fully read through them and finalize everything and send them off to my attorney and say, this is done and ready to go. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was definitely something I wanted to, to do after being faced with, with death a few times now and realizing like, this isn't just for 80 and 90 year olds. It unfortunately can come at any time in a life cycle. 100%. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, 
important understanding to have because a lot of people really think like in this in this life of impermanence it's like oh we can just keep putting it off you know we're we'll live till we're 80 70 our death's gonna look really good we're gonna live a really long healthy life and and so even within that there's no considerations of like what are the possibilities that could happen to me in a lifetime that i couldn't even fathom and then what's my life gonna look like like yeah. am i setting that up for the people that i love like yeah and if you don't do it for yourself, do it for somebody you love, like think yeah. of your family, your children, your, your spouse, um, do it for them. You know, that's, like what does that life look like? Yeah, that's a really great point. And, and again, from my situation, my dad was a realtor and he always said, mm. cemeteries are a waste of good real estate. So he wanted to be cremated. <laughs> and just having that small decision taken off of our plate, and, and I really shouldn't even say small. I mean, that's, that's an incredible burden to bear of what to do with your loved one's body and to have that taken off of our plate and saying we know what his wishes are here because you know whether he really meant it or not you know I mean he would joke about it all the time but I'm sure there was some some seriousness to it we felt good about that you know we felt like okay we we gave him what we wanted there so you know because he was able to joke about it we we feel we have a good outcome how can you have these conversations with your loved ones? And you know, maybe if you got to turn it into a joke to not make it seem so uncomfortable and awkward, fine, sure. I mean, Christ, that's what we're doing on half of this podcast is kind of laughing through some of this because it's painful and it's 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 scary to talk about. But what do you recommend for for people to have that conversation? It's a great point. Yeah, you got to put a little sugar on the hard things. So. <laughs> Um, I think it's just like you said, it's reading the situation. So it's like, for you, it might be humor, like, you know, um, bringing, bringing the point up with a little bit of humor. Also, what we were just talking about in line with like your father passing, like maybe you, you would bring that up to your mother and say, you know, after, since dad's passed, this has really been on my heart. Like, I really don't want to go through this again. This was really hard on all of us. How can we, how can we do this a little bit better, mom? Like, Will you tell me what you want? Can we have this conversation? So we make sure like you're really taken care of in the way you want. And you will know that we're not going to go through this amount of stress again. You know, yeah, we'll be grieving the hell out of you, but this is going to be that much easier because you were able to do this with me. So, you know, you can relate it to kind of a third party person too. Like, remember when so-and-so passed, like, how can, how can we not have that happen? Yeah. Um, in spirit vessel, one of the booklets that we've written is actually how to have hard conversations. Oh, that's great. So it's really, it's like a conversation starter, uh, booklet. And so there's, I, I couldn't even remember all of them right now, but I think it's like a six page booklet of conversation starters and all different angles to come into the conversation. Oh, that's great. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to get to that, check out the show notes. I'll make sure to have that. And then what are, are there new trends in celebration of life ceremonies? So as we talked about at the beginning, COVID kind of threw a wrench in things and people started to get a little creative. And, and even as it's now, you know, hopefully winding down of this social distancing and people, more people are getting vaccinated, there are more outdoor ceremonies. A friend of mine passed away and we did it outside on the golf course because that's what he loved. And I loved that the family chose to do that instead of, you know, all packing into some religious type of of place as it traditionally is done. So it's with a lot of things in the world, COVID kind of forced the hand in to, to progress, you know? So are you seeing any new trends for celebration of life ceremonies or any of these personalized ceremonies in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think you really said it. It's change begets change. And I think that we're seeing 
in this, you know, structure of death and dying that we have set up in this culture, it's everything just shifted. So of course our rituals around it will shift as well. And they'll be called up to the place where, um, where we need them to be, which is actually to be able to connect via Zoom, which is be able to connect just so beautiful when you think about it, people worldwide can really connect and share instead of all having to fly in for a ceremony, all your family from all over the country. I think specifically celebration of life ceremonies have really been able to expand because there's the idea if we're not all gathering in this place of you know religious worship, such as a church, then it's going to look different. Well, how do we make that look different? I've seen and talk about a lot of these different things in the booklet, um, the guidebook too. It's really having people make it a really unique experience that is based off the personality of that individual. So there is more humor being brought into it. There is more even locale, like the place of, um, mm-hmm. you know, celebrating at somebody's favorite spot, whether that's a bar or a golf course, yep. like there are no roles to this. And that's the beauty of it. We're recreating it and we're doing it in a more heartfelt way. And so really this is about connecting with your family, connecting with the one you loved and creating something that is yours, not everybody's, you know? Yeah. What about in pop culture? You know, when we lose somebody that we have never spoken to, we've never seen them a day in our life, but we feel so connected to them. And one of the main ones that comes to mind, two of them, I would say, is Chadwick Boseman, uh, who passed away this past year. Again, my timeline is like all off. It could have been two years at this point. Um, he had a, a, a long battle with cancer and passed away at a very young age. And Kobe Bryant, the very sudden death that really rocked the whole world. I mean, it was awful. His his daughter, who was also named Gianna, um, and, and I think it was six other people on the plane with them. That really sent shockwaves throughout the entire world. Is it appropriate, do you think, for people to to grieve people they've they've never met? Is it would it be appropriate for somebody to say, hey, you know, Kobe Bryant or Chadwick Boseman was my favorite athlete, my favorite actor. I'm having a really hard time with this. I want to get together with people that feel the same way that I do. I want to check out Spirit Vessels, some of the guides that they have on what questions can we ask ourselves, what memories can we bring up of this person to to grieve it. It's a really good point. Um, it's one I don't think we think about so much. It's just one we kind of feel and experience. Look, any relationship in your life, when it's gone, it's a loss. And and the outcome of that is grief. And that's what you're going to feel. It doesn't matter if that's somebody that you've idolized and has been a long-term um you know, role model to you, let it, let it be that like, of course, that's a relationship. If somebody's a role model, that's a relationship. You don't have to know somebody personally. Um, I think this, you know, again, in pop culture, we've really set up this culture of immortalizing people and like memorializing them and making them so much bigger than life. So when we lose that sense of, oh, this is everything I want to be and everything that's um, so important to me, like that sense of loss, that's another type of grief. Mm -hmm. So I would say there's different types of grief. They don't all have to be personal. Um, Like we were talking about earlier, there's relationship grief and identity grief. And there's grief around a million types of loss, not just death. Um, And so just with an understanding that like, yes, you can grieve whatever you need to grieve, but just be sure you're doing it because Mm -hmm. the, the problem is putting these 
constructs and roles on ourselves and then saying like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know him well enough. Maybe I shouldn't be grieving, right. but that's, that's, what's the point of that? You know, it's like, if you have the emotion, let it come out. Um, yeah. I think of that often the word emotion actually comes from the Latin word novar, which means to move and oh. emotions are meant to be moved through us. And this is a really, yeah. Right? How about that? <laughs> if they're not moving through you, they say stagnant in you. And now you're going to create, now you're going to create problems of disease. And this is where like the actual physical ailments start to come in because we're not moving the emotional wow. body. So like every episode that I do and every person that I speak with, they have some brilliant line, like you just said, of why you need to get it out. And I, I love it because that's what I always try to tell this audience. And I'm so happy to see it be a recurring theme that everybody else says too, that I'm not just making this up or it wasn't just my experience. I mean, there are some, some serious benefits to, to moving your emotions. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's what we're here to do. You know, it's not, we're not meant to be these like totally stuck little stagnant people living in a small idea of ourselves. Like we're constantly changing, constantly growing. And that needs, it requires movement. So it requires movement of every kind, um, thought, emotion. Um, one more thing I really want to add right now is just uh, this idea of grief throughout generations. Mm. So transgenerational grief. Um, and yes, what I've heard this before. Talk, talk about grief. this. Yes. I, go, go, go. This is something that we really focus on or it's, it's always in the background of spirit vessel because spirit vessel ceremonies are set up to help people interact and connect in creative ways and move the emotions. Um, it's really important on a longer term scale, having a wider vision, not only of doing that for yourself, always first for yourself, take care of yourself but also always look forward um, and have a larger overarching vision of what does this mean for my family if I can't grieve? Mm. So what does that mean? That means it dies with you. It's stuck with you. That also means you didn't teach your children how to do this because mm -hmm. they never got to witness you being in a place of grief um, and, and, and a place of responsible grief. Like I'm going through this. I need space and time. This is part of life. So it's really an understanding of like what dies with us. It doesn't just die with us. It comes yeah, back. It gets past. Yeah. So my story is that history repeats itself. And my dad was the third in his uh, bloodline to die at the same age from the same thing suddenly. Wow. So I am next in line, but I'm saying I'm not going to let that happen to me. I, I One of the things I am grateful for with my dad is that he made it very open to grief. I was, for as, as young as I can remember, he would bring me to the cemetery to go to my grandfather's gravestone. And he would crouch down at that stone and he would cry his eyes out because he missed his dad. But at the same time, there were very many other areas of his life that I don't think he let his grief uh, be processed the way that he should have. And that's also something that I'm trying to, to do. You know, I, I want to get through it as much as I can because I want to be the mother that I should be to my daughter. And I want her to say, this is okay. You know, if this happens, it will be all right. But also I want her to have an understanding of who my dad was the same way that my dad gave me an understanding of who my grandfather was. So it is very strange. I've heard this term before. What is it? Transgenerational grief? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I definitely need to do more research on that at some point because I've ancestral grief. There's a lot of different terms that you could, you know, mm-hmm. that are all relating back to the same idea. Um, your what I just want to say is your willingness to do it has already made it so with with your children. Just having the want and the awareness and that way of consciously wanting to be that mother, it's already made it so. So there well, is you. that too. Good. Yeah. All right. That's one positive thing for today. Great. <laughs> it's it's helpful just to not beat yourself up and say, I, I want to do all these things and be this person. It's, oh, it's hard. The desire hard. to want it is already, you're already there, you know. Great. Good. Well, I hope other people that are listening know that about themselves as well. Any mm-hmm. other things about our conversation that you think people should know? I would just add that um, the ceremonies, there's three different types that we offer. Um, and the importance is that the first is for those who are pre-planning. So this is where you and I would be. Mm, okay. So we're, we're thinking of setting up our will currently. We're thinking of setting up a beautiful ceremony, a celebration of life ceremony that is exactly what we would want so that our family knows that they're giving us the celebration that we want. So that takes out that question mark. The second is the living memorial ceremony. And this one's really beautiful because it allows anyone who is elderly or terminally ill to have a celebration of life ceremony before passing. So this isn't just waiting until somebody is dead Mm. to celebrate them. It's giving them the gift of doing this now. It's becoming more and more popular just as pre-planning is. I would say here in the States, we all focus on the memorial service. So there is absolutely a growing trend to doing both pre-planning and the living memorial. We had somebody in my department at work retire the other day and you know there was this whole Zoom celebration that we had and everybody offered these amazing messages and somebody at the end was like, you know, we really got to stop waiting until the person retires to do this. We should honor people, you know, throughout their time at work and it's I mean it's the same thing with death. It's like why do we wait until somebody dies to to say these things or to come up with what they mean to us or you know it should be it sh- it should be throughout their lifetime with us. I totally agree. What's the benefit of waiting till the end when you could have said it before and like strengthened the relationship, you know? Yeah. Totally. The memorial service ceremony is then for anyone who has already passed and you're trying to create a really beautiful, unique celebration of life ceremony. Okay. And then you talked about your work in ceramics. You also offer ceramic urns, correct? We do. That's part of the package. So I have 10 plus years in ceramics. And so part of what I've um, done over the years is actually uh, been commissioned to make personalized custom urns. So those are for um, humans and those are for pets. And I've always just found this to be such a meaningful part of my work. And I slowly was like, okay, I'm going to actually morph this into my work um, yeah. and, and buy and marry these two ideas that yeah. could be really powerful for people. So I think of them as beautiful, earthy, nondescript urns that are also quite contemporary looking. Um, They come with the package. So you choose which one you want. You have many options. That comes with the ceremonial package. And whether you choose to be cremated or not, uh, you can still purchase this because it's part of the ceremony. So we include items that can be part of the ceremony. and, And that urn or ceremonial piece could also contain such like letters that you wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep that in there. And then your family can read them later. Just, you know, beautiful ideas. All the ideas are in the booklet, but yeah, that's how they can be used as well. And so of course you can reach out to us. Um, our email is support at spiritvessel.com. You can find that on our website, which is spiritvessel.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at my.spiritvessel.com. There's a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> 
you'll you'll find us uh we're always happy to get on the phone and talk and give some more direction to answer yes. any questions and i will make sure i will link to everything on the show notes but i thank you so so much for being here i mean this was really a wealth of information and the work that you're doing is so incredibly important and mm-hmm. i appreciate that you and your sister have gone on this journey together and I hope it's very fulfilling for you because it's it was so fulfilling for me to even have this conversation. I I just I can't wait to see what happens with your business too. I, I hope it takes off. I hope that people in this country and in this culture start to really accept this and, and really talk about it differently in, in the ways that, that you're both presenting. I think so too. I think they are. They there's we're realizing there's a very deep need here. So well thanks so much. This was really a fun conversation. I'm so glad I could be on here to share whatever could be gained. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at so sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of so sorry for your loss. So stay tuned.